It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lokabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. In addition to cboc.com that you just heard, you can also visit my website at turnboot.com. If you're in or getting into the IO psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking to jumpstart your career and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. Also on the panel today, we have Sarah Smith-Berry of Frigo Consulting. Sarah is a psychometrician, veteran advocate, consultant, and modern stoic. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach, and a damn good actor at that. He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy, and welcome again, everybody, to our weekly get-together for IOs, HR, recruiters, and all the rest of us who are in the community of helping others in the business world. Uh, today, Jeremy, kind of, in, well, it's a really interesting topic, but when I first read this, I had two questions. And and so what we're going to be talking today is about how do you lead teams you don't want to lead? So this meant we meant, mm, so are you talking about, I don't know if I have the leadership skills to lead a remote team, especially, or, you know, really any team, or is it, I have to lead this team and I actually hate these people, <laughs> which is so... Per, that's perfect. So I just put in the chat. So we're going to get from the group. Give us some of the answers to Tom's to Tom's question. Tom, I love how we're on the same wavelength. Uh, so I put in the chat, please give us some examples to finish the sentence. I don't want to leave my team because dot, dot, dot. And then when you respond, so we know that you're responding to this, just put dot, dot, dot. Um, I'll just put my shoes are too tight. So that'll give, give us the, uh, the format. But that way we can start to get examples of all the kinds of different scenarios. Like you said, I don't want to lead this team because I was promoted to a leadership position, but I shouldn't have been. Um, this is extra work that I don't need to have. My team stinks. I don't like one person on my team. So whatever it is, so we can get all these kinds of and feel free. I mean, you can as many examples or things that you can come out, come up with. And then we'll um, we'll, we'll run through that list and um Tom, you and I will make sure that we're being mindful of the people on, on listening to the podcast as well. I do want to, I do want to, because Tom, you'll ask me this anyway about our, our next session, our next, um, our coming up. So we did a, an email, we did a LinkedIn post, a call for interesting topics that we could have for May. We haven't yet chose the winner because each topic suggestion got a, um, uh, an entry and we'll pick a winner. Uh, probably in two weeks, but some of the interesting ones, we've got our topics up for May now. And uh, next week, we are going to be discussing creating horizontal development opportunities for employees who aren't interested in leadership. 
Then uh, on the 12th, building and implementing an effective employee and an effective uh, leadership program. On the 19th, building and, and implementing an effective employee onboarding program. And then on the 26th, identifying and defeating counterproductive work behaviors. So kudos to the people that listed some of the suggestions. And we have more. And if you ever have a, a topic suggestion, you can just go to cbock.com slash events, scroll to the very bottom. It says, hey, do you have a suggestion? Put in your suggestion for the topics. We obviously, we want to make sure that all of you feel heard uh, with that. So with that said, if you are listening, and I have to remember to do this, if you're listening on the pod, on any podcast, help, help us grow and give us a reason to continue to su- subscribe or follow the Work Cookie podcast. Listens don't matter. Subscriptions do. So I have to make sure I do this call to action uh, at the beginning and end. Back to you, Tom. Well, I'll first unmute my mic, and then I'll remind you at the end of the show to do that again. Thank um, you. you asked the question, and the chat is filling up. Uh, so take a quick look, Jeremy, and, and you know, which one grabs your attention right off the bat? All right, so let's lead. Let's, uh, I'll read a couple off. So uh, I don't want to leave my team because, and here are some of the responses. They don't listen. It gets in the way of me getting my actual work done. I don't know how to lead the team. They're going to do it wrong anyway. They complain constantly. <laughs> Most of them are older than me and know more than I do. These employees don't know what it means to be a team player. They don't complete their work. I'm a manager, not a leader. I have imposter syndrome, and I'm sure my boss is going to figure this out, uh, that I can't do this if I say something wrong to my team. They are defensive and deflect when given feedback. I never expected to lead anyone. I'm a technician and just want to do my job. I didn't pick them. And this isn't the team that I really want. Peter principle. People are out. People are put into leadership positions based on their competence and their prior position without any sort of training or evidence that they would be competent with their former coworkers. So, wow, that's some great feedback. That'll give us enough time. Yeah, I, I want to add one more because whoever wrote the comment about older people, <laughs> I want to switch that because part of my experience with working with teams is working with younger people who kind of look at me going, yeah, you're old school. Like, <laughs> you probably don't even have a Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> and I do. But there is that age thing where, you know, is. And it, it, it really can't be any more difficult than it was a, a thousand years ago, but generational leadership. I mean, I kind of grew up in a, in a family where you respected older people uh, and now I'm an older people and ain't feeling a lot of that love. <laughs> so, you know, let me just add that to this mix, but that's a really diverse list of why people don't want to lead remote te- or teams at all. It is Tom. I'm going to say, so, so what you said is a very valid point. I'm going to say embrace it because we're not, you know, other generations are not saying you have to be just like us. And we're not saying you have to be just like us, whatever we're in. And there is this thing where that's, that's, there's part of it where if we embrace it, that's how we can learn and we can, we can teach and we can start to to mentor. And we, we, we get into that focus sometimes and we we negate some of the, um, the mentoring opportunities and Let's let's face it. You know, we've excelled in in, in business, in commerce, in everything 
because we pick out the good things that work, hopefully, and we continue on to them. So I say embrace it. We just did, I don't know if it went out yet, but we did an email campaign for the, um, for our Pathfinder members, like they get, they get the monthly phone calls with the consultants. And it's just a reminder, hey, you have a monthly call. I don't know if this went out yet. Um, and it was like, all right, what do you want to put? A picture, a GIF? I said, yeah, do a GIF like a, of, of Tom and Jerry. Oh, well, nobody knows what Tom and Jerry is. Well, the cartoon. And you're gonna, it's going to seem old. All right, well, embrace it. You know, <laughs> maybe, they'll, maybe they'll learn what Tom and Jerry is. So sometimes it's just, you know, so the good things aren't forgotten. Sometimes embrace the, the fact that, look, we're, we're pulling from, from each other. And it doesn't necessarily have to be um, a one or the other. I know I got off topic. It's okay. It's okay. And, and let me, let me bring you back because, you know, especially, you know, Brittany, you're really smart <laughs> because this is one I hear a lot is like, I don't have time to, to lead a team, you know, and I spend so much time just trying to get them doing what they're supposed to be doing that I can't get my own work done. Is that a leadership issue or is that a, maybe you need to talk to your organization about, you know, having more time. Uh, you're directing that to me, correct? Well, let's start with you. <laughs> okay, okay. Brittany Eisenman here. Um, yeah. Producing managers are a problem. If, if a company is expecting a supervisor, manager, leader to produce and lead people, and if that supervisor's own boss isn't telling them which of those things is a priority, leading your team or getting this list of stuff done, then there will always be conflict, even if it's not talked about. And there will always be glass balls dropped and shattered and somebody's going to get hurt, probably a team member, because the things that are on deadlines are the things that aren't team development type things. Is that how we create toxic cultures? I think it's a fantastic way to build a toxic culture. (laughs) So don't do that. Uh, but thank you very much, Brittany. Linda Ann, I see your hand up. Let's go to you. Well, I think that, you know, one of the things is to really talk to the manager that's assigning you to this leadership position because you need to really clarify <clears throat> what the challenge is. Is it a situation where you just don't want to lead people and you don't want anything to do with it and it's not your thing? And if that's the case, then that really needs to be given to someone else, right? Right. But if you don't have the skill set or you don't like them or you don't have too much on your plate, one of the other things that you can do is really look at it as um, turning it into a learning experience for the team. And looking, because I think our brains often go to, I have to do all the work to manage this team. And that's not necessarily a correct assumption. Right. If you take a little time up front, you can set up opportunities to really make it um, a learning experience for the team. They can develop their their management skills where you're just mentoring them instead of doing the, the management to them. And so I think there's a couple of ways to really look at it so that it can be uh, a growth experience for you, a growth experience for your team, but it doesn't have to consume you. That, that, <laughs> that might save a lot of people and, and would really sort of help us avoid those situations that Brittany's talking about. Um, Lee, let's go to you next. And then Dr. Martha, we're going to come to you. Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, 
I, I think one important distinction that uh, we want to keep in mind too is that you know what kind of team are we talking about? Are we talking about this is your job that you know this team that has been created is in order to do your job, or are we talking about a project team that's in in addition to your job or you know some other supplemental? Um, you know, like going back to to my military days, you know when you have a watch team or some kind of a collateral duty that's outside of your normal job where you are responsible for that team and their training and their supervision and all that kind of stuff, but it's on top of your normal duties. So that's a whole different thing because then you can't just go, Hey, look, you know, Hey boss, man, I need to, to, to rearrange this stuff. It's expected to get done. And so those two different situations are going to take a whole different approach. Um, And, you know, when it's a supplemental thing like that, that may very well lead into what we're talking about here. This is a team I don't want to lead because it's, you know, it was, I was voluntold as we call it. And uh, it's just not where I want to be. So yeah. And, and how, yeah. And how do you handle that when you are put in that situation? Uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. I think it's important to remember that leaders and managers aren't the same thing. You can have a leader emerge without ever being in a formal um, leadership or uh, management position just because they have natural abilities that get others to follow them. Managers, I think, tend to be more about operations and getting things done, whereas leaders are more about inspiring and getting people to do things and to follow them. So are we asking one person to be both? And some will be good at that and some will not. Some will be better at being a leader. Some will be better at being a manager. So that has to be something to consider, in my opinion. Well, but isn't it true that organizations aren't considering that? That basically they see somebody as, wow, they're really productive in their position. We should get them leading and they don't have any leadership skills. I think that's absolutely true, but that's why this conversation is important because we're bringing that into the light. We're bringing that into reality Um, and something that you just said, this person is really good or productive or whatever. So what do we do? We reward them with more responsibilities and more stuff on their plate. (laughs) That sounds counterproductive. Yeah, it does. Uh, (laughs) and, And you know, there's, Uh, You know, looking at organizations, you know, especially, you know, having infiltrated a few, they're not thinking about this Uh, like the and, you know, the workers know that things are changing. The corporate leaders know that things are changing and they're all looking at those managers and leaders going, you must be the agents of change. But what skills are we giving them? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Brittany, let's go to you. I love this point that Dr. Martha brought up because it's so true. And I know it's not like something we never talk about, but it's something we need to never forget. One of my favorite wins with a client last year was when he wanted one of his like deeply technologically skilled uh, managers to move into like closer up toward an exec position to like pull him upward through the company. And he was kind of throwing everything he could at it, including executive coaching from me. But after just five sessions with this brilliant man, I realized, you know, you might be pushing the stone up the wrong mountain. And it was such a win when I got, you know, the the boss to realize, like, you can't push him up toward exec if that's not 
where his flame is. And also if you're going to keep him where he is and you recognize how good he is at it, you need to pay him the same as if you were pulling him up toward exec because he is that valuable to you. And they agreed. They agreed. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> congratulations on that. Uh, <laughs> and thank you for sharing that story. Brendan, let's go to you because I'm, I, I'm so glad you put your hand up because you're kind of on the front line. So can you share with us, you know, some of your thoughts or maybe even experiences that, you know, where you might've seen this. So I think I can piggyback off of Brittany's story with the opposite story. Um, I've had, I've had employees at client sites that are natural born leaders who have absolutely no desire to be a manager um, beyond what they do or leading what they do right now. But that's okay because you don't need, in order to be a leader, you don't have to have the management title. People can lead influentially just by being a good component of your company's culture. It's the, hey, thank you so much for helping me out with that project. You did a great job. I feel like we did a really good, that's that's natural leader tendencies without the, the actual job title that will actually just help to build your company, further your company culture. And honestly, it's just a nice person to have in that organization because it's your go-to person as well as people like working with that. I mean, when, um, I saw a quote on LinkedIn a couple of months ago that is, is there is, it's, you will never get paid more for it, but there is a skill in just being easy to work with because I think that people, some people also work at being very difficult to work with. And you don't want to be labeled as that person because you'll be labeled as a roadblock and people will just go around you. Well, there's that old phrase from the business world of, you know, people do business with people like themselves. Do you think that's really good advice for when you're like putting a team together that, you know, find the people that you like to work with? See, I'm going to, I'm going to go against that because diversity of team and thought is going to be what's so important. I don't want everyone with the same skill set as me because there's certain things that I know I'm not good at. So I need to, for lack of better words, I don't want to say outsource, but I need to outsource that skill set to somebody else because I know I don't want to stare at spreadsheets all day. Somebody else, they love that. So you should take advantage of that on your team and give them that task. That's going to make them happy. As crazy it is to look at a spreadsheet and like it, there are those people out there. And Linda Ann, I saw you shaking your head up and down <laughs> when Brendan mentioned diversity. So you, you want to jump in here? Pardon me. Absolutely. As soon as you talked about um, saying, I, do I want to work with people just like me? I was like, you may want to, but that's not a great idea <laughs> because you really do want that diversity of team. There's so much um, strength and value in that. It can be a real challenge to lead a team like that, but it, it's such a gift and it benefits the, the organization and everybody on that team so much more. Uh, so uh, easy to do the, the just like me kind of thing, maybe not the best choice. Um, well, but let me, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, so is, <laughs> I'm going to take this conversation into a very dark area. Um, we live in a world now where people are siloing themselves. You know, you live on the left or the right. We've sort of broken down conversation with those people simply because of where they stand. 
it ain't really productive and we're, you know, we're not going to find any peace. And how can we bring our organization together unless we can talk, unless we can communicate. So as we bring diversity together, don't we also need to increase our ability to communicate so that those different divergent you know, views don't stop the process of moving forward, but they can actually enhance it. That if we understand each other's points of view, we're actually going to end up in a better place. Is that to me, Tom? Yeah, let's start with okay. you. And then I'm going to go back to Brendan. So uh, one of the things that, that makes it easy for me to manage those situations is to have a, a golden rule kind of thing where it's based on respect, right? You, you can't interfere um, with someone else's ability to do their job and to be respected. And so you could, they can have their diverse opinion and look at things differently and be completely, uh, completely on the opposite side of things than you are. But there's the need for the respect for what they bring to the table to what you're trying to accomplish. You don't have to like them. Um, and that was the, you know, the whole thing, even when as a parent, it's like, you don't, it's my, it's not required that you like me, but you need to respect me and we need to get this process done. So it's about, it's a really clear foundational thing where um, we need to respect each other for what we bring to the table and our differing views. And there's nothing that, that obstructs that level, that requirement for respect. Right. Uh, Brendan, let's go to you next and then Lee over to you. So I, I kind of want to go a different direction. This might even be off topic, but I don't think it is. Um, one of the things that I think I, I've been told I have a really good ability to is just connecting with people. And I, I, this is kind of a life hack that I figured out. Um, and I break it down in two of the simplest categories. People bond over things they love and things they hate. So um this is probably the easiest real world example for me to give about a half a mile behind me is uh, truest park where the Atlanta Braves play. Um, I'm from New York. I'm a hardcore Mets fan. So as you can imagine, I upset a lot of people when I wear a hat that's that it's a Mets hat, but as a Braves fan, as a Mets fan, we both have something in common and I'm sorry, Jeremy, if you are, we all hate Philadelphia Phillies fans. So we bond over that. So it's a lot simpler than you make it out to be. People are going to bond over what they love and they hate. You just have to find what the common ground is. It's so true. I am a Toronto Raptors fan being here in Canada, playing the 76ers right now. It took me about five minutes to hate the Philly fans. Really, truly. <laughs> Lee, let's go to you. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to follow that. Um <laughs> First of yeah, all, you so, have to make an insult to one of the Philadelphia sports teams just for Jeremy. <laughs> oh, is that what is that required? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm going to have to support Jeremy right now. I mean, he, he feel uh, he, I think he's feeling put upon. So we're going to have to, you know, support our teammates. Uh, actually, I want to I want to to loop back to to what was said before because this came up in somebody that I was mentoring um, who was in process of being promoted and was dealing with just some. Um, dysfunctional teams and whatever else. And, you know, there's something that, that sometimes we forget is the perspective of, you know, you don't have to like the people that you work with. And 
you know, and, and really even trust and respect only has to go so far because I have to trust that you will do your job and that you will do it to the best of your ability. I don't have to trust you in anything else. I don't have to tell you personal secrets. I don't have to give you any money, you know, or anything like that. I just have to know that I can trust you to do your job. And I, and we have to have mutual respect to the point that we can work together. We may not be talking about, you know, uh, you know, Philly fans or anything like that. You know I mean? You know, we may not have that connection, but we need to be able to have to respect each other enough to know we can't talk about certain things because it's going to lead to conflict. And then you got to establish the boundaries are very, very important and you got to establish that. And and a a lot of this goes along with the, you know, knowing your people and finding your common ground, uh, you know, find, you know, like everyone said, finding things that you both like, or you both hate, you know, something that you can connect to each other to where you have that human connection, but understanding that, every interpersonal relationship is going to have different boundaries. And just because you're all on the same team does not mean you have the same boundaries. I mean, I may be able to talk to somebody about one thing that I absolutely cannot talk to another team member about. And, uh, but in the end, we have to respect each other enough to, 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 to work together. And we have to trust that you can do your job. And beyond that, you know, the rest of that is gratis really. Right. Yeah. It's preferable, but it's not necessary. It'd be nice if everything worked out the way we want it to work out. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Jeremy, let me pull you back in here because, you know, Lee to me touched on two points. A, you need to know your employees or you need to know your team members. Usually that's not happening because they're not having those types of conversations. And number two, the trust issue again. This keeps coming up repeatedly. You know, and with the knowledge now that during the lockdown, 80 to 90 percent of corporations were spying on their employees because they didn't trust them. So, you know, how do we, you know, where do we go from here, Jeremy? I'm going to loop de loop this one because so Nikki made this comment, um, which is really intriguing. So, Nikki, by the way, is joining us 12 hour time difference. Kudos for staying up late to join us. So working with multi, and I'm reading this uh, not verbatim in the chat, working with American multinational companies in Malaysia, there's always two tracks, individual contributors and people managers, and the pay scale is the same. There isn't a need to convince companies to pay expert individual contributors the same rate as those in the managerial position. In fact, some experts are paid more with managerial titles. So to me, this there's like five, six different concepts here. They're really interesting. So in a managerial position, once you're leading people, what is that? Well, some people see that as, you know, A, extra money, B, power, and C, you're on a track to be the CEO of the company, right? People think that. But what happens if you take the pay aspect of, of it away? You start to, you know, part of me thinks, all right, so if I'm an individual contributor, my manager is making the same as I am, it kind of levels the playing field and allows for more adult to adult conversations. If you're a manager and you're making the same as your individual contributors, it levels the playing field and allows for more adult to adult conversations. Plus it does something extra. It helps with micromanaging, I think, because you look at, because you, and and I'm just working through and processing this because, you know, just reading this a couple of minutes ago, so I'm talking out loud here, but it also, when you look at it, 
it takes away perhaps some of the micromanaging because that manager is getting paid the same. Is that manager not more likely to say, well, they're already doing the job and getting paid well for it. Why do I want to micromanage and do double the work? My job as a manager, I'm getting paid to manage. I'm getting paid to manage people. So I can concentrate on that and not have to worry about all the other stuff going on. I think it's very, I think there's something in there that we can take and think about for a while. I'm very pausing here because I'm, I'm just, I'm a, this is, is this new? Is this kind of, is this interesting to anyone? I, I just, I find a while everywhere. Lots of shake for you. Listen to the podcast. Everyone shaking their head. Somebody just released balloons into the air. Another person brought a pony into their room. Everyone's <laughs> loving it. So no, seriously, there, there's some uh, positive feedback here. So as, as I continue to um, to go on to that, I, I see, I wouldn't mind, and I, I'll go over to Linda because you have something to say here, but I wouldn't mind pulling, you know, once there's a, a pause here, pulling from one of these um, hypotheticals you know, I don't want to leave my team because maybe talking about one specifically, but let's keep on the uh, organic energy that we're at. So Linda, Ann, you've got a reply here. So one of the reasons I raised my hand the last time was because I really wanted to throw out there how, the terminology that we're using for some of this, because in my mind, a lot of times the term leader has a different level in an organization than the term manager. And I'd like to know people's feedback is from, from this group, if that's the same for them. Because to what you're talking about and what, um, I'm sorry, I don't recall, but Nikki brought up is we need to look at skill sets as different, not one better than the other. And I see that, that people are seeing managers as not quite the same as leaders. And I think if we use the correct terminology, to, to help level that off a little bit, it can put greater value to the skill sets that's really, that are really important. Anybody, am I off base here or can I? You're not, no, you're not, you're not off base at all. And the way, I mean, most organizations go with this kind of frontline, then supervisor, then manager, then, right, you've got your execs and whatnot. Um, and I think what, I mean, you know, it, maybe it is uh, kind of lost in translation where supervisors are the ones that are doing the, ma- the way I see it, supervisors are the ones doing the managing, managing managers are the ones doing the leading. So the terminology is actually, it's not working because supervisors, right? They haven't yet reached that level of skill, that leadership skill. So their job is to make sure that nothing goes wrong, Right. Their job is to keep order, make sure nothing goes wrong, take direction from above. That is managing. Then you've got managing, which is leaders who are supposed to be doing the leading and the visioning and the guiding down to the supervisors. So it's almost like, you know, when Starbucks came in or when like the movie popcorn thing, I'm going to bring another Seinfeld where Elaine goes to get popcorn. She says, can I get a small? Well, we don't have small. Small is now medium. All right. Well, what's medium? Well, medium is now large. So it's, it's just like, all right, well, what is managing? No, it's not managing. It's leading. Well, what is supervising? Well, supervisors are not supervising. Supervising is managing. So it is, Linda Ann, a great point to bring up. 
Well, and then I, if you're looking at, you know, like subject matter experts or technicians and people who don't want to manage people, but they want to do, they want to rise up and, and manage the projects and move up in that project um, realm. Should we have, I want, this is a preference of mine. I would like to see that the leadership term just apply to different types of things that people are doing and not have it be one over the other. Is that making sense? It, it does. So our next, so next week, the topic, and we're going to get right into this, Linda, and it's going to be a whole time on it. The topic is pretty much pretty close to what you're saying, creating horizontal development opportunities for employees not interested in leadership. And I like what you added to that, which, which would definitely be a point of conversation. Leadership is everywhere and leadership can be incorporated. So you can put leadership into the specific parts of a project and, and parts of skill. You've got an idea there. Right. So, uh, yeah, I just, well, I want to be sure that it, it, it's confusing to people at this point. If, if um, we acknowledge that not everybody wants to leave, but people want to move forward in their careers, we have to give it the right framework, the right context. And Lee, We're let's go done today. Go ahead, yeah. Tom. I was going to say, Lee, let's go over to you because you got your hand up. I think you probably add to this conversation. Oh, man. You know, well, when when Jeremy said that, my, my first thought was was Starbucks. Is it a, is it a small? Is it a large? Is it a venti? Is it a you know what does that even mean? You know, and to to Linda Ann's point, I mean, some of these titles don't mean anything anymore. You know, are you a manager? Are you a leader? I mean, good lord, get on a job board right now and look at the titles. Yeah, you know, chief le- chief leadership officer. What does that even mean? And, uh, you know, like, like my, my, uh, I have, well, I have two, two boss positions in my current job. One is a career manager, which is the guy who deals with my, uh, professional development, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I have a job leader. And so, and, and right now it happens to be the same person, but it isn't always. And then, but so what's the difference there? You know, I mean, one says manager, one says leader, but that that doesn't necessarily mean that the jobs are different. And, you know, you, and of course we, we beat this one to death. There's a lot of people, we call them a leader, but they're not. Yeah. And there's a lot of people we call them managers, but then we say that they're leaders because we, tr- we tend to use those two words kind of interchangeably, but really they're not. And uh, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, but they're not the same thing. And, you know, we've gotten on this leadership bandwagon, you know, I mean, goodness gracious, how many, uh, you know, leadership consultants are out there and training situations and, and you know, uh, uh, all these things that, um, and I'm totally blank. You know, I mean, you, you've all seen them, the self-help books and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that is like the huge buzzword of, you know, leadership leading up, leading sideways, leading backwards. I don't know, but the, we just confuse the issue and, and you know linda ann was just spot on on that on where you know the the titles are confusing and you go from one organization to another organization the same exact job can have a different title yeah and, and could possibly even have a different pay band just based on how the organizational structure is there's no real consistency and you know and talk to job hunters you know what are you looking for and they say something and that may be you know, it, they may not even know they're missing opportunities because some other, some great, perfect opportunity and they call it something else. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, we, 
which goes back to a previous episode where we talked about job descriptions. But, you know, I digress. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. We'll be right back after this break. Turnboot. The name is not elegant. Neither are the issues that organizations face. Led by a PhD in industrial organizational psychology, you can rest assured that the highest standards and latest in workplace and human behavior science will be used to get your organization results with a tailored plan specific to your workplace needs. Truly helping others, integrity, positive impact, and getting results. That's what we stand for. That's Turnboot Organizational Excellence. Welcome back. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. Linda Ann, let's go back to you. And then Dr. Martha, we're going to come to you. So I'm just going to say that human resources is probably the worst offender of the weird job titles um, right now. And <laughs> one of the makes me a little bit nuts. So I'll just put that out there. But um, not to hijack the, the topic for t- today, I wanted to get back to um, really the situation where you're leading a team or you're being asked to lead a team that you don't want to lead. And, and as an individual who might be put in that situation, what's the best way for people to go to their manager and say, this, this doesn't work for me. You know, this isn't really going to benefit the company or this isn't, um, do they, do we think that they should go to their boss and say, give this to somebody else or how should they approach it with the, the team that they're, they're being designated to. Right. Um, Well, let's go to you, Dr. Martha. Maybe you've got some answers. (laughs) Well, I think that there is way too much creativity in terms of job titles. Um, That, that to me, that's not the place to get creative, maybe take up painting or something, but I've seen uh, companies creating titles to appease employees. I've seen companies create titles or use certain titles to avoid paying a higher salary. Um, So I've seen all kinds of things related to titles. And I think it only adds to the confusion of this, whatever is expected of this poor person who's being called a manager or a leader or expected to be this, that, or the other has some fancy title nobody's ever heard of and has to explain what does that mean what, what does that do to that person? How do they know what they're supposed to do? So I think these creative titles or evasive titles or whatever they are, are really confusing the issues. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, <laughs> you know, having just taken on a new title to sort of discover the people I'm working with don't really know what that title means was kind of shocking. Uh, Brendan, let's go to you. So from firsthand experience, I've actually seen organizations that have to, and again, this is such an in-group idea, they'll use manager, comma, then what it is, and that connotates people management, or they'll use the department manager, and that doesn't connotate any people's management. But someone on the outside looking in is never going to know that. I think companies that are in the infancy or in like startup mode are the ones who are super guilty of having way too many job titles because it's every time, you know, we bring someone on, oh, well, I want them to manage this. And it's like, well, that's the same as this. They're just, this is the same as that job that this person is doing. It's just a different function. So it should realistically still be the same job description, which means 
be the same job title. It's just a different function that you would put a dash on. And I can't tell you, I've, I've worked with organizations that have 80 people with 70 different job titles. Um, try making that org chart. That will be fun. Right. And, and I've been, tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but I've been noticing, you know, CEO, CFO, which we've always had those, but now it seems like there's, you know, the C-suite continues to grow <laughs> and it's going to get to the point where I need to hold off another office building to contain all of my chief executives of something. So once again, are we creating titles that, you know, someone has to like try to fit into those roles and especially if they have that C before their position, aren't we just going to assume that they're a leader? I think we're just making it way more difficult than it needs to be. It's, it's again, it's, there's a lot of ego in play. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's to appease this person. A lot of people don't want to have that difficult conversation about, look, this is what the job is. This is what the pay is going to be. But then they get into the conversation where it's like, well, we'll change the job title, make you feel better. But that doesn't, it didn't change anything. Uh, let me shift the conversation a little bit because, you know, as, as Jeremy was saying, Nikki is with us today and she's 12 hours different. So, you know, she's on the other side of the planet. Uh, but one of the things I've noticed is, you know, being in North America, when I think of business and business models, I think of the North American model, where if you're in Spain or Europe, chances are the business model is slightly different. Let's go to Asia. And once again, it's going to be slightly different. So when we talk about leadership and you know, leading teams, and especially with those job titles, are, are we not talking about something slightly different in other parts of the world? Or is it just all kind of the same thing? I mean, is, is what we're, we're a little bit what I might call North American centric, where we think of business and, and how, you know, the IO or the HR professions operate as our North American examples. But isn't it true to say that people in, you know, Europe working under that model may have similar but different issues? Or do you think that they've actually discovered something that really works? And maybe we in North America need to take a look at that. Um, Jeremy, I'm going to start with you, but I would love to hear, you know, as many sort of impressions about this as possible. When you look at everything from you know, HR policies to governments to manufacturing. And it's, it's almost, there's a, uh, there's a, there's, there's a ton of knowledge sharing and you'll see some extreme similarities in the way that things are done because the things that work, you, you know, they, you know, quickly, right. Information travels quickly, processes, devices, those kinds of things. So I think there's a lot of similarities there. And then you have those different nuances. I mean, just take the four hour work week, for example, and the um, I, th I think it was Switzerland who was trying out like a six day work day or a four hour work week. And then they, they tried it out and, and it didn't work. But there's also we've I can't remember who we were having this conversation with or who brought it up. But in the U.S., if there's, uh, you know, extra time people will spend that working and it's some i think it's something like two billion hours of vacation time aren't spent each year and other countries because yeah we are we're north american centric and we know a lot a lot of time but most of us know very little about the outside uh, world when it comes to a day in the life of so you know i'm i'm not qualified to answer that question 
specifically, but I do think there are things that we can take. And I think it's kind of like when, when uh, Dr. Patricia Delgado mentioned to us that, you know, with research, there's a 17 year lag between when we see this research come out and then when it's implemented, right? So best practices halfway across the world are going to be, might take a little bit to, in order to get, because you've got to have, all right, is it working? How's it working? Then you have to have this transfer of knowledge and then this transfer of how to do it. And then you have to have corporations that are willing to accept and, uh, and, and, and go toward and go towards that model. Muted. Thank you. With that in mind, our, our, you know, we're having this discussion today. Is it going to take 17 years to see the change? Or are we at a point where change is so necessary that, you know, organizations need to be listening to this advice today and making those changes tomorrow? I think a lot of companies have known for a while what they need to do. I think Linda Ann made this point recently too. I think oftentimes it's just the validation of you're not crazy. It's okay to do it, especially with some of these leadership types of, of skills. So some people know what to do. Some people know how to be a good leader. And sometimes it's really just saying you're valid and in, in thinking that to add to, cause I want to get before we are, we get too far and we run out of time. A lot of it's perspective too. I'm going to read some of these, how just a simple change in perspective so the original question was, you know, finish a sentence. I don't want to leave my team because, and I'm going to go through some of the answers and how any manager or any person leading a team can quickly shift their perspective in just a matter of seconds. Cause I'm just going to make these up as I go along. And then if somebody's saying, I'm not willing to make that perspective change, the question then becomes, I don't know, what kind of employee are you to your boss? <laughs> right? So so uh, here, I don't want to be, I don't want to leave my team because it gets in the way of me getting my actual work done. Instead of that, it could be, uh, this could help me hone my delegation skills and actually help me work less, right? I don't want to leave my team because they don't listen. Well, my kids don't listen either. So maybe I could do it in this uh, with my team and practice my communication skills and model and coach them. And then it could help me in my home life as well. Uh, I don't want to leave my team because I don't know how. Well, I've noticed that this is a plague across the organization, a lack of leadership training. Maybe I could su suggest to, to those above me a leadership training, and maybe they'll start to see that I am really fit for this particular position and I want to help the company grow. Uh, I don't want to leave my team because they're going to do it wrong anyway. Well, this could help me work on my trust issues that I have with my own boss and fix those and then start to trust my team. I could also go and maybe make some suggestions to those who are doing the hiring to make sure that we're hiring the right candidates and also make sure that we have the right um, knowledge transitions that are needed in terms of maybe SOPs, documented ways of doing things so that we can have longevity with the people who do know how to do it the right way and give the support needed to the people that are ambitious so that they can do it the right way. I don't want to leave my team because they complain constantly. They complain constantly. Great. Here are people that are able to see processes and things that need the change and are willing to speak up. Thank goodness I have this particular team. So, I mean, you, you could go on and on and on in terms of how to change this perspective uh, these perspectives around. And we have, you know, I only went through about half of them, but those are 
some interesting ways that we can get past, you know, how do I lead a team that, that I don't want to lead? Find out what your, what are your yeah, self-check questions? What are your biggest fears with leading this team? What are your biggest gripes with leading your team? How can you lose whatever your biggest, how, how can you change whatever your biggest gripes are into your biggest opportunities to help you grow and to take work off of your plate and to hone your skills professionally? Is this going to be a movement that has to come from the ground level and it's those frontline employees, or maybe it's the person who is, you know, now being told they're going to be a leader and they're going, I have no idea what to do. Is the impetus to move forward on this going to come from the frontline workers and those managers? Is it something that, you know, the CEOs, the, the C-suite has to tune into and sort of spread the word that this is what we're going to be doing or is it HR and you know the IO community that needs to step in and go? It's time for change. So, so which where is this going to come from? Well, Tom, if you get an IO and industrial organizational psychologist involved, you're obviously going to have what you need to be able to point these things out, but also help with designing and how to implement these kinds of processes. So, with that said, it can be a match of both. It could come from up top, where hey, this is the uh, the culture, a little bit of a culture shift. That we're going to do. There's also a tipping point, uh, and there's also a chicken or the egg thing. There is a school of thought out there that says leaders are really the they, they are the leaders that they become because of their followers. The followers actually shape the type of leaders that they are. You can be the worst leader in the world and be good at leading because you ask the right questions to the people on your team. And you recognize those with leadership abilities on your team and you delegate to them specific leadership tasks, right? right? You might make them a learning partner for someone who's not doing that well, who needs a little bit more support and oomph, right? You give them the opportunity to hone their own leadership skills by identifying where people want to go on your team and what their own passions, ambitions, and talents are, and simply asking the right questions and surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you then you can do very well as a leader. And anyone in the world who is sitting next to someone else is, is with somebody smarter than them. We're all smarter than each other in some regards. We have there, I could sit next to a five-year-old and believe me, that five-year-old will be 10 times smarter than me in a lot of areas because we can all learn from each other. If you know one thing that someone else doesn't, you can be helpful to them. And it's, a, it's, it's that mindset. And that's a growth mindset, and it's a mindset that anybody can take. I've learned so much from just you know listening to my daughters. And <laughs> when do we listen to our kids? Uh, Lee, let's go to you. You know, uh, just to, to segue off that real quick, you know, uh, Dale Carnegie uh, said, I don't think it was Dale, whichever of the Carnegies at the steel, he said that he didn't know anything about steel. He was successful by surrounding himself by people who knew the business and he handled the people and he built an empire. So, I mean, so you got that. Um, but, you know, I, I think that obviously uh, organizations are all individual and organic and all that kind of stuff. And so there's no one answer to this. But I think ultimately it, it has to be there's got to be buy in from the C-suite. Whether, whether the idea starts there uh, or it, it can go there to die, but you got to have the top cover. You've got to have, uh, if you've got a great team that's just killing it, the smart people in the C-suite go, what's going on there? And how can we spread that? 
you know, the guy who goes in and says, hey, you know, can I have a meeting? Can I have 10 minutes? Here's an idea. And then they go, that's fantastic. How can we do it? You know, you got that. Or you have somebody in the C-suite who goes off to some great conference or, you know, maybe or maybe has a conversation with with Jeremy and they go, hey, I've got a fantastic idea. Let's get some buy in down the chain and let's make the you know, let's work on making the change. So whichever direction it goes, if you don't have buy in at the top, it's going to it's going to down the buy. Yeah, it certainly will. And change is needed. And, you know, hopefully it is coming from everywhere. Um, Jeremy, we've only got about five minutes left. So, you know, let's revisit next week's topic and, and update us on the happy times at Seabock. Yes. So we are actually doing, uh, we're going to do game time right after this for Seabock Pathfinder members. We're going to play Mind Trap next week. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, we have, uh, we've been doing a drip for the uh, resume course too in the forums, which is interesting. So, and we'll have that resume course out too. And Brittany, there's Brittany. Brittany's working on a LinkedIn course for your LinkedIn profile, all that good stuff. Again, all about getting uh, where everyone wants to be for career IO stuff. Next week we are, oh, it's right in front of me. Creating horizontal development opportunities for employees not interested in leadership. It is, uh, we have a record now for the longest title of one of our events, and, and that is, is what it is. Uh, just for fun, because it's been a long day, I'm going to provide a link in the chat. Anyone here can uh, join us in four minutes for game time, more the merrier today. I just have to find the link. I'm going to turn it back over to you, Tom, for a second while I find that link. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Jeremy. And and maybe Linda Ann, let me come to you, uh, you know, the first start. But as you've been listening to everything we've tackled today, what are some of the final thoughts that you might want to share with everyone? Um. I think that the, one of the final thoughts is that that we need to really pay attention to how we're the terminology that we're using for anything, any of the topics that in, that are in this uh, realm that we've been discussing, because words really do matter, right? And right. it means different things to different people, and we need to come up with a common language for how this is evolving, and you know how it affects the the pay scale, how it because that's really critically important in this time of inflation, you know, and if you're not paying attention, you get compression, all those kinds of things. So I think really for me, what I'm taking away from this is um, we need to come up with clear terminology and use it regularly. Right. Dr. Martha, final thoughts. Wow. This has been quite a topic. I think the important part of this is understanding the difference between leadership and management and then providing the people that we expect to lead or manage with the proper skill sets, uh, with the proper training. That's not to take away our personal responsibility for growth and learning on our own behalf, but I think some more um, awareness and support from the organization could be helpful. Agreed. Lee, any final thoughts from you? Well, I think that this has been a fantastic conversation and uh, as they usually are, and there, there's been such great ideas and, uh, and, and just talking about the, 
the international implications and, and, you know, the, with different cultures and, and all that, um, you know, there's so much to think about there. And, and of course it all comes down to, and I think uh, a lot of this, you know, Linda Ann brought this up about definitions, words matter, but the words don't always mean the same thing. You know, like my favorite movie, you know, Princess Bride, I don't think it means what you think it means. And, you know, we've got to, we've got to define those terms and I don't think we're ever going to get an industry across to, to agree on this term means this. But I think that that behooves us to be very, very clear within our own organization and in our job postings and our, our communications out externally and everything else to um, we may be using a particular term, but this is what it means to us so that, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Nikki in Malaysia or Tom in Canada or whoever, they read that and they understand what we're saying and not making an assumption because, you know, assumptions are seldom work out well. Very, very true. Brendan, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, I think you asked the question, is it going to take 17 years? Absolutely not, because we're having this conversation right now. Good. I love that. <laughs> Jeremy, let me turn it back to you for some final thoughts, and then you can uh, count us out of here. I'll second that on The Princess Bride. I think I have it bought on digital and two, two uh, DVDs of it. So kudos. Thanks for the mention for that movie. And ooh, quick before I forget, if you're a if you're university or college, if you're the director of a, an IO program or if you teach IO classes, give me a, contact me somehow. Uh, let me know because we've got we want to see how we can partner with you to help IOs get some of the information on IO careers a day in the life of and get prepared to enter the field. And if you're an organization who is hiring a lot of IOs, there's a lot of organizations that, that are like majority IOs, get in, in contact with me. We've got something up, up our sleeves in terms of how we can help to fill your pipeline and, uh, and partner with you. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on the podcast that you're listening to. We will see you next week. Signing out, closing in five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at Seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at Seabock.com.